Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. and welcome to our bonus quest domain this is under consultation an episode by episode podcast type situation through the uk's greatest video game challenge tv show games master i am one of your hosts luke owen and i still can't quite believe this q a happens and apparently taller than dominic diamond thought i would be i am ash versus this Q&A took place on the 21st of October, 2022. Robin Schultz and Olivia Trees, or Oliver Trees, Miss You is number one at the top of the pops, and Lyle Lyle Crocodile is the UK box office number one. Wow, we think we get some odd number one movies back in the timeline, back in 1996 and 1997, where we are right now. 22 ain't much better. Yeah, I think we were, it came to the music charts in particular. I sort of scrolled across and I was like, what does Wikipedia tell me? And I'm like, oh, I'm a blues clue. Like, at least when I do the the ones in the main timeline, I'm like, oh, I've got a vague memory of that. Or like, if I go to YouTube, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I definitely remember that. This, I haven't a clue. I don't even know if I said those people's names right. I don't know who they are. I at least know what Lyle Lyle Crocodile is because I do a movie show for YouTube. Is he a crocodile? Oh, yeah, proper crocodile. Not, It's not just a clever name like Crocodile Dundee. It is not, no. He is an actual crocodile. It's a kid's movie. So, Luke, we've had an interesting week. Yeah, a little bit, because uh, Forbidden Planet and Loading Bar announced that they were doing this Dominic Diamond Q&A session, or book signing meet and greet is how they advertised it. And being that we are the, uh, the UK's premier Games Master podcast, we thought it was in our vested interest to head down there and, you know, be in attendance because we've never actually met Dom in person. We've spoken to him several times over, you know, on this podcast and over DMs and stuff, but we've never met him in person. So we thought maybe that'll be a nice thing to do, to go down there and we'll get our books signed again or we'll get a second copy of the book and then, you know, we'll have a little chat with him. That'd be quite a nice thing to do. And then it sort of escalated from there. 
because we'd already been in touch uh, with Thames and Hudson about possibly talking with Dominic again to promote the mass market version of the Games Master Oral History, which we'd already helped launch the Kickstarter of and spoken about at great length and seen that project flourish and become immensely successful. So successful it gets a mass market edition. So the emails had gone backwards and forwards. And then on Wednesday, we get an email from the publicist working for Thames and Hudson saying, the original guest speaker who was meant to be hosting this event has had to step back. Would you two be interested or available to take that place? And thankfully, because we were going there anyway, we were able to say, yes, we are available because we're already going. So we are, we, are, we are there already. It's one of those rare occasions. As a podcast, we are a democracy. And normally, if something comes in like that, I will message you going, Luke, check the emails. Luke, check the DMs. Luke, da, 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 you know, like, and vice versa. This is one of those rare occasions where I emailed back and said, yes. And then I messaged you because I'm like, do not sleep on this. This is a literal once in a lifetime opportunity. That's exactly it. I, I in fact, text my, my work colleagues. I was meant to be filming something on that Friday evening or that Friday afternoon. And I just messaged him being like, dude, this is a once in a lifetime thing. I can't, I've got, I've got to do this. I've got to cancel one of the things we had planned to film that day. So we replied saying yes. And then Thursday afternoon, it was all confirmed and in writing, well, in email, that we were going to be meeting Dom and hosting this signing and meet and greet. And then we skip forward 24 hours and we are in the lovely loading bar and Dominic walks in. And we're at that point less than half an hour, maybe less than an hour from when this entire event is meant to kick off. Yeah, we got there at half four and the doors opened at five. And that is essentially when we fully worked out, now Dominic was here, what we were going to do. And thankfully... As a person, when I'm going into a situation where I don't quite know what I'm going to be doing, I tend to over-prepare, which is probably why I've got back pain. <laughs> you did have your big backpack with all of your audio stuff in there. Like, I guess, just just on the off chance that something like this might have happened, and it was a, probably a good job, really, because this sort of thing did happen. I thought maybe there'll be a chance to grab a 10-15 minute interview with Dominic either before or after. That'd be great. I bought my little wireless video cameras, which is why you're seeing us and not just hearing us if you're watching this on YouTube. Just in case there's a chance, we might be able to record a face-to-face -face interview with Dominic. And then it became a certainty. And so that is why we are doing a video introduction to this podcast. Th this episode was not, this was not meant to be the episode that comes out this week. It was meant to be episode 11, but this came up and this happened. And we thought, well, actually, this will be the episode instead. So we are sort of not, I don't want to use the word cobbling together because that makes it sound like we're making this up as we go along. No, this would, we have planned this since Friday, but it has been since Friday evening. This has been uh, what happened. So we're only recording this like two days later, this little intro bit here to get that all go and the, uh, the starting at the end. Um, so yeah, this is, it's been a very, a, a wonderful little thing. And it's also one of those situations where because I kind of do this as my day job, I was able to just be like, you know, they were like, oh, do you want to host a QA? and I was like, yeah, that's fine, because I do this a lot. I know exactly what uh, I'm doing here, and I can I, I can go into this without prepping anything, and I can just sit there, and I can just chat away with him and then throw it to the audience. So it kind of worked out 
beautifully in a way that you were overprepared and I've been preparing for this for my whole career. And from my side of things, from the technical side of things, I work in the wrestling industry as well, where frequently things happen that aren't meant to or things come up that you weren't told about or you weren't prepared for. So again, expecting the unexpected is in my wheelhouse as well. We were amazingly the perfect people for this to happen to. <laughs> Once in else, a lifetime. If anyone else had shown up, you'd have had no episode to listen to, not even on this podcast. But anyway, I think it's about time that you and I uh, shut ourselves up and, and throw to two other people that will host this thing instead. Those being us. So here's what happened when we spoke with Dominic Diamond. Hello everyone, uh, welcome to Loading Bar here in Stoke Newington uh, in conjunction with Forbidden Planet as we host this lovely Q&A section with none other than Dominic Diamond! Thank you. Dominic, welcome back, in, welcome back to the UK. Thank you, Luke. Uh, how has your first few hours been here? Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, I, I live in Canada. It's a small, sedate country. Even the largest cities, like Toronto, could fit into the uh, the letter O in London quite comfortably. So it's um, it's weird because I'm not. I kind of came into London briefly five years ago, and that was it. So London fucking terrifies me, really does terrifies me. Um, and but here's what's interesting. So I got in. Uh, I had a long flight. I have a I have a a rib problem. We'll get into that in a minute. And uh, so I was very uncomfortable. I was in a bit of pain and I was terrified. I was getting in late and the plane was late and I knew I had to get to Johnny Finch's house. Johnny Finch, the producer of Games Master, who's mentioned in the book. And he needed to get to bed early because he's got little children. And so I was like, fuck. And so I managed to get on the tube. I got through immigration okay. I'm not on any no-fly lists. That's always a relief. One one always tends to forget one's terrorist past. Um, <laughs> I, you know, the 90s were the 90s. We did a lot of silly fucking things. Who knows? And so, uh, yeah, so I got on, uh, I got on the underground and I knew I had to go, right, fucking don't fuck this up. Get all the way in and get to uh, Earl's Court. And then it looked simple, change on Earl's Court and then you get right to Notting Hill Gate. I forgot. I don't know. I should, I should do this like a stand-up comedian. Hey, what about that London underground? Who's been on the London Underground recently? Right, Earl's Court. Most complicated fucking station to change in. Right? You just think you should get out, cross over again. No, you gotta fucking upstairs. And then I got onto a platform. There was like an ancient antiquated sign thing that's kind of, that was around when Charles Dickens was there. And I couldn't work out which one I was supposed to go on. So I did the worst thing you could possibly do. Ask a random stranger for help. And I said... I'm trying to get to Notting Hill Gate. And he went, that train. I'm like, fucking that was easy. Thank you very much. Got on the train. Doors are closing. Does this go to Notting Hill Gate? No. <laughs> fucking doors closed. I'm like, oh, shit. And so the train goes, and I, I said, well, where does it go to? And they were like, oh, South Kensington. And I said, how do I get to Notting Hill Gate? And this woman was like, oh, and she was lovely. She said, she waited for a bit, and she went, I'm so sorry that I'm being a typical feckless fucking Londoner, but I'm not a Westie, right? I'm fucking from the other end. Um, so I'm really fuck. I'm sorry I'm being such a stereotypical feckless fucking Londoner. But then there was another guy we pulled into South Kent and he just really cool was like, that train, three stops back that way. And it worked and I got there 
And then I, and then I walked down. So that was okay. So it was a bit scary. Um, and the only other thing of note, I mean, this might be the most boring thing in the world, or it might be a kind of tip that might save your life. If you have um, a suitcase with wheels on it, which is supposed to be the very model of convenient travel, um, don't try and wheel it through London in the autumn because there's fucking leaves everywhere. So I'm like pulling this thing and every five steps I had to stop and clear it with leaves and carry on. So, um, and I mean, the simple answer to your question, Luke, how was the first couple hours in London? Um, shit. <laughs> See, that's interesting. I learned that a while ago as a good comedy technique. Sometimes if you, you don't have to finish on a punchline on a down thing. Sometimes if you go shit and you leave it hanging, the audience fills in the awkward gap with laughter. There's a little lesson. Tears. Well, that actually was one of was going to be one of my first questions because I've done a lot of Q and A's in okay. the past, and one of the often things you get in Q and A's are like, "I want to work in TV. I want to, I yeah. want to do the sort of thing you do. So, how do I do this?" So, my question to you is, "How do I become Dominic Diamond?" Whoa, my goodness me, how do you become Dominic Diamond? Well, start off at the top and work your way down. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, I don't know. How did I, but it was weird. I mean, I mean, this, this is, I don't know if this was a very clever way of getting into the crux of the book, Luke, but a lot of the book is about how I was propelled from being a complete unknown into a, a quite enormous level of, of fame, not just because of the, the rate and success of the TV show, but also being the de facto face of this brand new industry. And, uh, it, um, it kind of fucked me up a lot. It, and I think in a way that it would with anyone, it was quite to come from like a working class, poor council origins, then being a poor student to all of a sudden this. And it really, um, it's, it's hard. It's hard to stay kind of grounded. And, uh, and I went a bit mad. I went completely fucking mad. Um, and that's really what the book is about. I think in a lot of ways, as well as, you know, all the kind of fun stuff and the stories about how he came up with the graphics and the music and, and crazy stories about, you know, getting banned for life from Virgin Atlantic upper class or reckless drunken behavior. And basically invent, I think I invented Air Rage as well. And uh, But the book is also about just how, uh, you know, someone who, you know, has a mental illness, you know, depression, anxiety, how someone copes with that level of fame. And it's fucking hard, man. Really hard. It's hard to cope with normal life, but imagine normal life lived out in that kind of glare. So I, I'm really proud of the book because of that. And I, and I have to say that it wasn't the book I wanted to write. I just wanted to make it knob gags, right? I just wanted to be, yeah, we did this challenge and it was funny and here's a knob gag. And, uh, and yeah, I married, uh, married Wigfield and that was great. But Jack Templeton, the incredible editor, kept making me delve deeper and deeper and deeper and really kind of analyze what I was going through mentally. And I think, and I don't know if anyone's actually managed to finish the book. I know some people haven't even fucking got the book yet. Not my fault. Um, I just wrote the fucking thing. I finished my bit two fucking years ago, guys. So don't blame me. Um, I'm kidding. But it's not, no, it's not even Thames and Hudson. It's that's read on the memories thing. That's not even Thames. Not Thames and Hudson are lovely. Are you all the Thames and Hudson guys there, by the way? Is that, yeah. Yeah, thought you guys were like the cool looking people. I thought they are not the fucking Games Master fans, are they? Thanks, Tom. No, but, but Dave, I mean that as actually a term of flattery because you guys are real. We're fucking real. Those guys are just incredibly attractive, but we are real. I beg your pardon? 
Okay, tell me 100 great things about it. We can wait. And when you say you watch the show, you mean this show or you mean the fucking reboot? No, no. No one watched the reboot. Anyway, carry on. Right, next question. Uh, we were chatting a bit earlier because obviously this is now the definitive tome on Games Master. It is, yeah. And it's your fourth book. Yes. And when we were chatting earlier a bit, it's not your first book on Games Master. No, it's not. I, 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 there was an official Games Master annual that came out, which I actually wrote. I don't even know if I'm listed as the author. I, I'm trying to think back to the book now because the, like, the first page of it is a picture of you and it morphs Morphing into, into Dexter. Dexter Fletcher, that's yeah. right. Now, I wrote that book. I started writing that book while I was still the official host of Games Master. And then we went into the utter shit show of um, negotiations for Series 3 with all that crazy McDonald's fun, etc. And uh, yeah, by the end of it, I literally was finishing writing a book for the show that I had just actually left. So I think that's probably why I'm probably not listed as the author because they obviously, as anyone who remembers the... Um, the start of uh, season three, where they tried to bu literally burn me out of the show. So they probably literally burnt me out of uh, the kind of authorship of that of that book. But I wrote the official Games Master Annual. Yeah. One of the uh, the other things I've noticed from Q and A sessions uh, is you get asked you know some similar questions. You know you might get asked a lot about things you've already talked about. You know it's in the book, it's in other interviews. Yeah. You did a lot of interviews in the yeah. lead up to this, not only yeah. with us but with Richard Herring and loads of websites and things like that. What's the uh, one question you have never been asked about Games Master? Poor. I mean, that question by its very nature is logically impossible to answer. It depends. I mean, like, I mean, it, it, might, it might be, it might be uh, like sat there thinking- Yeah, okay, like, how, how many frogs did you fuck? There'll be well, an well, if you How many anything. did you? You know, um, uh, the boring answer is, is only two. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, how many tables did you eat during Games Master? The boring answer is none. I, 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 but this is, this is a question I've always wanted to be asked. I'll tell, I mean, I'll tell you the question I don't ever want to be asked again is who is your fucking favorite celebrity guest? Holy <laughs> shit. Um, a big fan? Wickfield. Do you know what? I should say Wickfield, actually, Adam, because she, I got, she was the only one I actually married. Well, on screen, anyway. But... Um, Oh, Zoe was, it was Zoe, yeah. Zoe was definitely my favorite. And because uh, she was one, most celebrity guests got, see, I'm answering the question. I'd say I never want to be asked. But yeah, Zoe was, because Zoe just got the show. Zoe got the whole nature and the vibe. And Zoe was the only guest ever out in Oendoed Me on the show as well. So um, she wanted you to take your knickers off. I don't even think I'm allowed to comment on things like that in 2022. <laughs> so I didn't even answer your question. What's the question I haven't been at? I, 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 that's a good question. I don't know. I suppose to bring it back to the book is, you know, did it did it fuck you up? Was it, you know, was it all just fun or did it actually have a mental toll on you? And that's what nobody ever really asked before the book. And uh, and what's interesting is that I'm going up to see my mum right after this because I'm a good son. I've not seen her for five years. And um, uh, not my fault. It's her. She fucking hates me. She keeps changing her dress. Um, <laughs> And, um, but she's read the book and she was like, oh, a couple of things I wasn't aware of. And I'm like, oh God, this is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> and I'm hoping it's going to be, I didn't realize that you were, you know, that it was having a mental toll on you, but I probably know it's going to be, how much cocaine were you doing? 
Yeah, I mean, do you want to... Well, we wanted to open it up to the floor, get some questions from you as well. So Ash is going to be our roving mic man. Well, that's good. So, uh, yeah, hands up. Joe, you know let's go to Adam first. He had his hand up first. So this is kind of a, a two-pronged question. Okay. Out of all the challenges on Games Master, what one would you want to do? And what one do you think you'd nail? Oh, well, that's an interesting question, Adam, because as I have covered recently in a, a little podcast column, thing I do, Dominic's little purple column on Substack, and actually what I've written about for my next Guardian column is I, I think I, am, I have become spectacularly shit at video games. I'm absolutely fucking terrible at them. And um, so... Actually, do you know what? I always wanted to do Super Punch-Out. Gary Mason did it on uh, Series 1 or Series 2, probably Series 2. Yeah, um, uh, Punch Frank, Man. Punch oh, Man. What's it called? Blast, Super Blast Man. Super Blast Man. Yeah. Super Blast Man. Now, actually, and what was weird was because, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm a tall guy, but I'm a little bit wiry, and you wouldn't think I'd have the kind of strip, but I was actually, when I used to go and play at the Trocadero, I was pretty good at that old punch bag game. I, I kind of was... So I think it was all about timing and about trying to punch through the thing. So I would like to do that because that would be a classic bit of TV where you'd go, look at this fucking wimpy's going to be shit and I'd be really good. So that's the one I would nail. And that's also the one that I would like to do. Um, one that I wouldn't like to do is, um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I say in the book, Martin Mathers was the, the greatest games player that we ever had, the greatest challenger when he was doing the two, was it Virtua Cop? The two Virtua yeah, Cops? Yeah, yeah. Two, two Virtual Cop 2s at the same time. I, I just, I mean, I, I literally get a fucking panic attack just thinking about that just now. I, I just think to do, I mean, it's a more difficult enough game as it, as it is, but that would, uh, yeah, that would terrify me. Uh, question I actually I did have before we go back to the floor. Um, you, you mentioned... I never checked, by the way. Is it, I should have checked with Thames and Hudson in the mail. Is it probably a bit late there? Is it okay if I swear? <laughs> okay. But please tell everyone buy the fucking book. <laughs> there we go. Okay. That uh, that game does reappear during series three on the live episodes, which they did Games Master Live '93. Did they? They did. Would you have liked to have done a really live episode at like an expo or something? Because it ended up being quite a disaster for series three because the episode ends without them finishing challenges. I I did. I actually did do one live kind of. Of that era, I remember did, I did a live show and it was with Hewland International and it was one of those first ever reality TV show search for a presenter shows. And I did it with Patsy Palmer and, and a similar situation that the it was like we had seven unknowns that were going to be presenting some show. I don't even know what the show was. And I actually read out the wrong winner live on air because I had the note from the rehearsal that we were going in. So probably not. Um, <laughs> I, uh, but then again, it's weird because the reason that I like, uh, one of the reasons why I didn't like doing TV, apart from like, I don't like seeing myself uh, on screen and don't really see why anyone else should have to, is that um, I, uh, I, it takes a lot of time to set up. So I think the reason I like live radio is you kind of just turn up, you say shit and that's it. So I like that nature of live TV as you say stuff and it's done, but I think I'd get, I think I'd get into a lot of trouble, I think, live TV. If we did a live games mass, I think there would be that little part of me that would say something really bad, you know. Well, let's try and move on from that then, Asher. Should we head over this way? 
Yes, Richard. So you've, you've got the Games Master gig and you've got your first paycheck. Yeah. What do you buy? Skelectrics. <laughs> I bought, yep. I went right into Hamleys because I always wanted one when I was a kid and we were too poor. I never got one. I went right into Hamleys and I bought the biggest Skelectric. That, uh, am I even pronounced Skelectric? Skelectric. Skelectrix. Was it Skelectrix or Skelectrix? No, Skelectrix. No, no, I'm saying Anyway, that racing thing. And I went and I bought the biggest one they had. And I invited uh, a load of friends around. And we sit and it took about 10 hours to set up this track. It was absolutely enormous. And I was like, no, oh, it's going to be great. We're having beers and we've got pizza and 10 hours to set up. And I was like, yeah, it's going to be the best thing ever. I never got the chance to play this as a kid. This is wonderful. And then we went, okay, let's go. And all the cars, as they tend to do, flew off at the first corner. And we were like... This is really shit. <laughs> and then we tried it again, and the same thing, they flew off. And I think after about 10 minutes, we were like, oh, fuck this, this is rubbish. <laughs> so it got put back in the box, and I actually ended up giving it to my nephew, Callum, who, and how do we know Callum? Baby Rom. Baby Rom, who was one of the contestants in Baby Rom, the first game in series five. Five, five yeah. heaven, yeah. It's the second, you did want it to be... That's the first right. one, I and, did. The, and you had to be talked out of it. That's <laughs> right. The first one was Wipeout, I think, in the end in yeah. Series 5. Yeah, we wanted Baby Rom to be the first challenge in the first show, but we were told it was we were dicking around too much, and we <laughs> needed to have something that was more for hardcore gamers. We couldn't do something ridiculous like pretend babies were playing video games. <laughs> uh, who we got next? Uh, we've got Misha here. So, sliding doors moment here. You get the job at the Word. Terry Christian oh. gets the job hosting Games Master. What happens? Now, that's an interesting question because uh, uh, this is one of the crucial themes in the book was I, is, the, is, is the question of what is cool. Now, I, uh, I really wanted the word. I loved the word. I love music. And I basically didn't get that because I wasn't cool enough. So then I do Games Master and it becomes a great success and that's fantastic. But then we have Series 2 where I'm forced to wear the red jacket and I hate it, and I feel I look like a fucking idiot, and and it really is, it really affected me, and it, and it might sound like such a superficial thing, but to be on what was then the, the the biggest success story in British television, where you think you look a shit, but be not like yourself at all. That's not me, and it's really strange. So a lot of the book goes back to that thing about being told I wasn't cool enough for the word and then kind of reflecting and refracting all the Games Master's success through this thing about what is cool, not knowing that, two things. One, that it it was cool and that the greatest reward I have had in terms of the legacy of the show, and this came when we did the Kickstarter campaign and I had so many messages from people uh, on Twitter saying... I was not a cool kid. I didn't play football. I wasn't popular. I didn't have a ton of friends. I liked video games and people fucking ripped the piss out of me because of that. I was a geek. You know, I, I, I didn't have many friends. I was bullied. And then the show came along and it made what people ridiculed about me cool. And it... <laughs> and I fucking love that. That's the greatest thing I've ever done with my entire career. 
with my entire life, having had kids, and having had kids who've been bullied at school because of being a bit different. And I realized that. So didn't mean to get so emotional. Um, but, but it's a great question. So I think what would have happened is if I had got it, ah, I would have been an absolute fucking wanker. <laughs> I'd, have been, I'd have been cool, but I'd have been an absolute twat. I'd have been so arrogant. It's, you know what? It's weird. I don't, yeah. I don't know the answer to your question, but thank you for asking it because it's allowed me to say what I think was the most important thing about Games Master was it allowed kids that felt separated from the so-called cool mainstream, it gave them something to be part of a fucking cool community. If you didn't do the word, did do Games Master, would you have done Bad Influence? Um, no, because I think, and it's funny, I got asked this when I was doing an interview yesterday with the Glasgow Herald, which was, um, what would have happened if you hadn't got Games Master? That, uh, and at the time, so there was kind of two jobs. I was doing VDU input stuff, but I was also working as a security guard for Abbey National. And it's one of my favorite jobs of all time because I sat there all night and I got to read books. And now and again, you'd walk around a building with a big heavy torch. And it was a fucking great job. I recommend it to anyone. So I think I would have carried on being a security guard. And I think that maybe if someone had come up to me and said, we're going to do this ITV video game show, I would have said, why are you asking a security guard at Abbey National? That's weird. <laughs> And I would have said, well, you know what? I kind of quite like this security guard gig. You know, I can just read books all night and then walk around sporadically with a big... I might have said, can you give me a big heavy torch? And if they said yes, I'd say, mm, uh, how heavy? Let me get back to you. It sounds like the sort of thing Bad Influence would have done. They've, they may well have done that, yeah. Uh, question over here. Yeah, thanks. This links to one of the questions just asked over there. Yeah. Um, if 1992 Dominic Diamond had been told that 30 years later you'd have a room full of people wanting to hear these tales and remembering the show so fondly, what would 1992 Dominic have said or thought? Uh, oh, wow, that... Hmm. It's, it's strange. You never... Um, even the success that Games Master had, I, I never felt that it would have reached that kind of iconic generational status where people would have still held it in such high regard. I think that the, um, I think because we were always trying to reinvent ourselves by having a different setting for every series and it was supposed to be a different level. So there was something about it that I felt was by that very nature disposable. So, you know, series one is in the church, boom, we've done that, that's it, thrown away. Series two is in the aura, we've done that, thrown away, haven't done that. So it always felt like it was supposed to be disposed and thrown away. And I never, ever thought that it would be remembered in that way because we said that we, we kept trying to reinvent ourselves. And, and again, God, this is quite, you can tell I'm getting published by Thames and Hudson by how intellectual I'm being now. You know, but just that very thing of disposable pop culture seems to fly in the face of, of legacy. So I think... Uh, 1992 Dominic might have said that to me and I would have went, what the fuck are you talking? Are you being published by Thames and Hudson now? And then 92 would have said, well, I don't know because it's 1992 and I would have went, oh, this is really complicated now. <laughs> so, and also 1992 Dominic would have said, don't spend all the money. Don't buy Skelextrics. <laughs> uh, any more questions, please? 
So you've finished season seven, the set's been dismantled around you, mm. and you're walking out, and you said goodbye to Rick and, and Kirk. What are your thoughts? I think my biggest thought was, is this, are people going to hate me for this ending? Is this too wanky? Is this too pretentious an ending? Because, you know, like you say, we dismantled the set of a show. Nobody does that. Nobody, and and because of the nature, um, because the fact we were never supposed to have Series 7, we we finished it after Series 6. Channel 4 forgot to cancel it because TV, you know, TV companies are fucking idiots, basically. Um, and um, so, yeah, so it was all such a bonus thing. And, and I think we were, it was so strange to have a countdown to the end of the show every episode as well. We were like, there's only nine series shows left, eight shows left. So to completely dismantle a TV show during its last series flies in the face of everything you're supposed to do, where you're supposed to be just like begging for a recommission. So I think that it was like there was part of me that would have been like, whoa, is this a bit too self-indulgent? Are people going to appreciate this? Or are they going to be like, what an asshole? It's like, this is just a stupid TV show about video games. Why are you treating this as if it's some kind of deconstructionist art? And I would say, because, you know, 23 years from now, I'm going to be published by Thames and Hudson. <laughs> and they're all arty, you know. I hope you appreciate it. That's a lot of shout-outs to Thames and Hudson, isn't it? It's actually really? quite, profe- it's quite it's, professional when you think about it. It is very professional, isn't it? I'd, I'd publish you again if I were there. Thank you very much. So just to uh, hang, ha- hang on. Yeah, nothing from fucking Thames and Hudson. No, there, no, no, no. no, but thank you, Luke. I appreciate that. So my, my big about Bauhaus, maybe not, <laughs> maybe not quite yet. To go back to the end of series seven, yeah. you walk out and you're done. You're done, done. Yeah. You've done the extra 10. You're, yeah. you're definitely, definitely done. Yeah. Channel four fucked it again and they've recommissioned it and they have offered you a, quite <laughs> frankly, ludicrous amount of money to yeah. come back. One, if it was truly a ludicrous amount of money, would you say yes? And two, is there a setting you would choose that you hadn't done? Uh, yes, and we, uh, we, we uh, this is mentioned in the book. I think I've mentioned this before, is that the, uh, the pirate ship was the thing yeah. that we always spoke about. And I think it was because, so I could revisit assorted seamen jokes that we uh, <laughs> maybe had left over from series two. Um, but, um, uh, sorry, that's a nineties reference. That's not meant to offend anyone in 2022. This was a, within context, that's a completely acceptable and that's S E A M E N. So again, like we said at the time, if you find that rude, that's your problem. I'm literally talking about people who work on seafaring vessels. If you think it's anything else, that has nothing to do with me. Okay? Or, or an army of David Siemens. Exactly. Yes. So, so um, <laughs> So yeah, would we have done? Yes, I think we. Would. I think we would have done it because it. Why would I not want to hang out with those incredible people again? They were the most creatively gifted people that I ever worked with. They were all my best friends, and um, it's very rare. And uh, you know, and I, we didn't think this at a time. And this is another theme in the book. Is and I'm pleased that I wasn't the only one who thought this. We all thought this is what TV was like. Every show we went to work on, everything we ever did, we thought it's going to be like Games Master. It's going to be, we're going to be left to do what we want. We're going to have a, a limitless creativity. We can play in the sandbox. That's not what it's like at all, unfortunately. It's horrible. You work for dickheads. That's the, that's the reality of it. And we were all spoiled by it. So 
again, if you ever got, if we got the chance to do that again, if I got the chance to hang out with Johnny and Steve Wright and the Dixter and Kirk and that, you know, I wouldn't even have had to be ludicrous money. Just money. I think just, you know, yeah, we would have done it. But the ludicrous level would have helped. Ludicrous, always, ludicrous always helps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, more questions, please. Oh, at the back there. Now that's a smart man. He's clever, multitasking. Oh, yeah. um, bit of a two-part question. Just when you got the call... If you had to choose one of those parts, though. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Two-part questions are good. That's all right. If you, uh, when you got the call to say that you got the job and everything like that, yeah. how long was it from um, getting the call to actually starting to film? And also, what did you do from then? Knowing that you kind of set, I would have just gone mental. Like, just, just, do you know what I mean? That's a great question. I mean? a great question. Um, and again, I, I, I kind of, I, I don't want to kind of repeat too many stories from the book, but then again, you guys have all bought it, so fair enough. <laughs> You're either here an hour after. Well, it was interesting because I was, um, I was, I was, uh, working in this company where I had to input information into computers and they were pretty horrible to me in there. And I, I was kind of did it through a temping agency and all I wanted to do, I was stuck in a room and I had to just input financial shit. All I wanted to do was to listen to radio four on my little radio during it. Cause I could do both things. I was more than happy to do that. Listen to radio four typing meaningless shit. I was like, this is almost as good as being a security guard at Avi national. And then one guy came in and he was like, you're not allowed to wear headphones doing this. I'm like, oh, come on. Why not? Because you can't concentrate. I said, I'll be the fucking judge of that. Um, I didn't really say that. This is just the fictional version. I was like, okay. But I'm like, Mwah. and then literally like half an hour later, phone rings out. It's a guy called Adam from Hewland International. And he said, oh, yeah, it's Adam here. We'd like to offer you the job of Games Master. I'm like, fucking really? He's like, yeah. So I said, like, okay, that's interesting. I said, can I call you back? And he said, what? I said, no, no, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to take it. I said, but can I just call you back properly? I've just got something to do. And he's like, yeah, sure, here's the number. So I hung up and I got my bag and I fucking put it on and I walked out of the little room and I walked out and this guy stood up and was like, uh, Dominic, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to be on the fucking telly. <laughs> Fuck you. And I walked out and that's a fucking true story. So, um, so that was the first thing I did when I got told. Um, and then... I mean, it, maybe it's a boring uh, answer. I started writing. I was just like, I, I, I was, I just wanted to write and write and write, and, and that's what I did. I just started playing with words, and I actually thought, right, let's start writing this. How many shows? What's going to happen? And 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 tell me as much as I can so I can write it and do the best job I can and and not blow this chance. And and they said, well, you know, part of the reason you got the job is Jane Hewlin's son Harry laughed at the. Uh, jokes about waggling joysticks and I was like that's all I need to know <laughs> ding, 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 ding. so yeah that's what I did was just write stuff and it's weird it wasn't like I because the money I mean I got paid awful money but I don't know if I say it in the book but it, it would um you know there's a story recently about a certain voiceover artist on Bayonetta yeah. right who's upset about and rightly so about the money she got offered that is uh four times the money I was offered to do Games Master 10 shows four times the money right and uh, so I actually said no, which is a bit ballsy for a VDU inputer who's just walked out on that job. So, um, but it was strange because I, it wasn't like it was enough money for me to go, yeah, I'm going to be a big famous TV star. It was about video game. Nobody knew that it was going to be a big success. So it wasn't like I was like, yeah, I can just, you know, I can, you know, I can order 20 grams of cocaine or whatever in the finest champagne. I just started working. 
and I'll work my arse off. And I just kept writing and writing and writing and playing my words. And that really was, apart from obviously the ensuing 20 kilos of cocaine, uh, that that was basically what I did for the next seven years was just write and write and write and try and write the best stuff that, that you know, we could do for the show. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Question, please. Right next to you. I thought you were starting a new job tonight, John. I am, and I'm not fired. You're not fired. (laughs) So this is, John was supposed to start a new job at 6 p.m.? Well, on call. It's my first time on call. Oh, see, that's right. So that, but that's still pretty ballsy. (laughs) On call from 6 p.m. in IT, and he's, and he's here at this. That's, that's hardcore. I've been checking my phone every like 30 seconds. Exactly. Brilliant. (laughs) So this is a short question. In uh, a 10-year-old Dominic Diamond, uh, what, what question would you ask um, the games master to get help in the game. Oh, your favourite segment yes. in the consultation. Yes, uh, I would have asked, "How do I get, dear games master?" Yes, what do you want, young boy? What? This is weird. Um, and uh, worst Patrick Moore impression ever. You'd think I could be better at that. Anyway, I would say, "Is there an infinite life cheat for Jet Set Willy on the ZX Spectrum?" Because I loved that game, but it was so bastard hard, pixel perfect, and it was one of those things, and it's so weird even getting your head in this whole concept of a game where you only start off with three lives, 
and and kind of playing for an hour and getting through all ridiculous amount of levels and then dying and having to start again without a saved game. So yeah, infinite life's hack for uh, yeah for Jet Set Willy on the ZX Spectrum. Good question, great question. Uh, anyone else? Right here. You're next. Um, um, just a few couple, a few quick questions. Um, sure. Which was more fun, um, when games attack or um, games master? Okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> uh, when games attack was more fun because we were very badly behaved <laughs> at that stage. We really, really, I mean, that when games attack was rock and roll off the scale. The, um, they, they, yeah, there was so much bad behavior in America on that show. Like things we filmed that the cameraman <laughs> may have, and for legal reasons, gone back and recorded over in his hotel room that night doing things with someone else um they may have yeah may have yeah when games of that was complete mayhem i was out i was out of control uh I, like i mean you know to say i was out of control on, on drinking drugs and um how we managed to film anything is beyond me it was the blues brothers i mean it was just quite especially in America, it was like we would turn up and go like, okay, you know, where do we get booze? Where do we get drugs? And uh, and let's film as well. And uh, But what was interesting though, and who I was talking, I was talking to Johnny Finch, the producer of Games Master, about this last night with Jane Hewlin, the big boss. When Jane was like, her thing, she's like, I had no idea you were all doing cocaine. <laughs> and, um, and I said to her, I said, but this is really important, Jane. I said, is that at no point did any of that happen when we were filming right? I mean, I wouldn't even drink when we were filming. That was me. I was straight edge. That was it. But the creative process leading up to the series was definitely drinking drugs fueled. But it it worked, I think. Um, I wish I'd just been able to kind of leave it at the door. So it's very important people realize that this wasn't me, you know, hoovering up a line of Charlie and then going on to record a thing. No, it never, ever... Dom and Kirk's Night of Plenty was different. But um, but uh, but no, even when games attack, when we came to the filming, we you know, we were very we put our sober heads on when we were filming, but the minute that camera stopped, we were off our fucking face. So uh, yeah, when games attack was was um was probably more fun for uh, for that reason. Yeah. When games attack an oral history. <laughs> oh well we did a we did a little version of that. Um we did a little version of the when games attack, didn't we? Did we do that for? Yeah, the bonus one because of one of the delays of the publication of the book. We did a kind of little version of it, but but very sanitized. So yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think the difficulty of a when games attack oral history would be. I mean, it was difficult enough for me in some parts of Games Master to remember through the fog of the nineties when games attack. It's just like, I mean, somebody could tell me anything, and I would go, really? Yeah. Maybe that's that frog question again. <laughs> uh, we had a question over here. Yeah, hi, Dom. I was just wondering, when you rode the roller coaster, I think it was called the Desperado. Yes. And you said, I hope the cameras work because I'm not doing that again. Had yes. the camera not worked, would you have done it again? Or True story. I don't even think this is in the book. I did have to do it again, right? Because of the camera <laughs> angle. 
So I did have to do it again. And I did it a second time. And then there was some reason. And I fucking hated it. And I was terrified again. I really do not like heights. And and, uh, and I, I hate all that stuff. So I did do it again. And then for some reason, there was a third time. And, and I was just like, no chance. And so it's an angle that you see. And I think that there's something in the shot that looks like my shoulder, but is most definitely not my shoulder. It's something else. Uh, any more questions? Got one right here. Thank you for the questions, by the way. Keeping them coming. This is great. I've been to so many Q&As. People have only got three questions, and then that's it, and it gets awkward and embarrassing. So thank you. Just happy to finger a fine contraption. So, um, so having read everyone's input to the book after you'd written it, Dom, was there anything you'd edit or change or add based on what you'd read kind of after the book had been written? Well, I haven't read the book yet. Um, so uh, I only just got my copy today. Um, so I don't really sure. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's the same as when I finished it. I think that, um, no, I, I think there was things that happened that I'm so appreciative and so glad of. Like, I mean, number one, Dexter Fletcher. Never thought we'd get Dexter. Never thought in a million years we'd get Dexter. And again, and I cannot, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of the work I did for this book, but this is Jack Templeton's book. And I really want people to see that name. Jack Templeton is on the front of this book and he's the editor. He's the one that interviewed all the people, right? He typed them all up and he gave them me and said, right, get a through line but between all this. But um, Jack managed to get Dexter. And I'm so glad because for me, that is the most interesting part of the book because it's the one bit that I didn't know the spoilers of because um, I wasn't there. And I'm so grateful. And what's interesting, and I hope that what people, one of the many things people take from this book is a complete readjustment of their view of Dexter Fletcher's presenting on that series because that guy has been humiliated for that series. And I know that it had severe effects on his own mental health. And when you find out the shit that was happening behind the scenes, that it was nothing to do with him. It was an absolute disaster. And to my point about series two, he's the one that's front and center. He's the one that carries the can. And uh, so I was just, Jack kept trying and kept trying and kept trying. It was the last thing. It was a, way after I did all my stuff with Jack said, no, we finally got Dexter. And so uh, I'm, I'm so grateful. So that would have been the thing, Dave, that I would have said, oh, I wish we'd got Dexter. But there's nothing I, do you know what? Steve Wright who was our director from series four onwards, who um, kind of fell off the planet a little bit. And we weren't able to, we tried to get in touch with him, but he, uh, but we couldn't. And I would have loved to have had his input because he was such an enormous part of the show as the director. His visual sense was amazing. He was on some of the great outlandish trips that we did, and we don't have Steve's voice. That's the... Uh, and also, um, Richard Pitt as well. You know, we, 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 we lost a couple of people on, along the way. And, uh, and that's, a, that's a shame, you know. Well, the last thing that we're going to do, Dominic, because you and I nearly talked about this before we started. 
I, I gave you a little bit of trivia before we started. Yes. Uh, in Series 6, you had Tracy Shaw. I can't believe you guys have not asked me about the reboot. <laughs> okay, just people... No, you don't have to. No, no, I was going to say, if and people who don't know, me and Luke do a podcast on Games Master, and throughout the entire process of that reboot being made, of that reboot being aired, we got asked so many times, do you know what Dom thinks of it? And our response is, we're not going to fucking ask him. No. <laughs> we're going to respect his wishes to not talk about it. And so we're still doing that to this day. Okay. Fair enough. But, but as you brought it up. Because <laughs> <laughs> you guys were there. You guys went down. You guys were on board for all that. And yeah, yeah. so what which we, yeah, we, 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 we got, got credit. credits. What, well, I mean, I never watched it. Um, so, you know, what did you guys think of it? I, I quite liked it. Good. Yeah. I, yeah. Thought, I thought Rab I, was great. I thought Frankie was yeah. great. I like, I like Rab. And one of the reasons yeah. I didn't watch it um, is because I, I go back a ways with Rab. I, I think he's uh, one of the most extraordinary talented people that Scotland has ever produced that basically goes me, Frankie Boyle, Rab Florence. Um, Robert the Bruce, Billy Connolly, me, Frankie Boyle, Rab Florence. Rab's amazing. I mean, he fucking knows a hundred million times more about games than I do. He's more passionate about games than I am. He's uh, just a quite incredible human being, incredibly gifted. And... Um, and I mean, I don't know how many people know this or that, but, you know, discussions, there was discussions going on. And uh, Rab himself had an idea. And Rab, when he was first contacted about auditioning for Games Master, the first thing he did was message me. And that tells you everything you need to know about the amazing guy that he is. He's a fucking man of honor. And his question was, why the, what the fuck is going wrong here with this? Why are you not doing it? Is there something I need to know? And I said, because I've not been asked. And that's really all you need to know. And you need to ask yourself, why not? And you need to ask yourself, did it, well, obviously it didn't work because it's not recommissioned. And they tried to do that once before and it didn't work. So why would you try to do it again? I don't know. You'd have to ask the people. But I deliberately didn't watch it because I did not want to be asked, what do you think about it? And say anything that could be construed or anything that would be negative against Rab because of the respect I have. I and have the him. internet would do that. Oh, of course it would. Yeah. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also I think, and I must say as well, it's such a shame that Rick tried so hard to get on it. <laughs> he was really behind it from day one. Oh, it's a reboot. Oh, that'd be interesting. Wonder if they're going to use me, you know. And uh, poor, that's a shame. Hey, I mean, a shout out to Rab. Like when we finished uh, our coverage of, of Series 8, he popped into our discords just to say Good thank to you to all of us. Uh, and you know, and thank guy. you to everyone. He's a phenomenal guy. To the point where we had to then DM and be like, is this really you? Yeah. <laughs> I will say just on Series 8 that obviously, yeah, we were, we did Can cover we it. Can we not call it? Reboot, we, sorry. Yeah, Reboot. No, I understand, because yeah, yeah. it's not, I think, it's not a Series 8. I mean, it's not. It's a different show. It's yeah, yeah, not yeah. It's not a Series 8. That's the only it, thing I will say. No. It's nothing to do with me. It's nothing to do with any of the original team. That was a show that people called Games Master because they bought the rights. So it's... No, I'll... I'll I'll be honest, the only reason I think we called it that is because yeah. numbering of the episodes of the podcast, sure. it would have been difficult to have two sets of series one. Sure, yeah. yeah. But Also, the ACAST back end. It's helpful yeah. if you've got series yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, 
obviously we talked to people involved in the production. We interviewed yeah. them. They talked to us. And there were things that were said to us that we could not include. They literally said, you can't air that. So like what? Well, I think. <laughs> well, we're not I can't air- say. But oh. we are going to cover it again when we get to it because yeah. we're still approaching it. And I want to reach out to people involved and say, right, are you still under contract to Channel 4? Are you still under contract to Future? If yeah. not, come on. Let's have a chat and find out what we didn't know because mm. we already know via this book, to bring it back to the book, Thames and Hudson, that there is a whole amount of stuff that we didn't know until this book came out that was going on behind the scenes. And I would imagine the reboot has similar stories. Yes. And, uh, and that might be interesting at some point if there was a later edition of this book that included it and you get Rab's story and you get my story. Because like I say, there is a story. There was stuff that was... There were discussions. Obviously, they weren't fucking good discussions because, you know, I obviously wasn't on it. Um, but there was there was a... Uh, there's another slight, there's a sliding doors moment where that series could have been something completely different. And and what I think is is genuinely a shame. And like I say, I, I you know, all I know are the facts and the numbers and the fact it's not come back. And it's a shame that we made a perfect TV show. We never, if I was going to say we never jumped the shark, we did. We jumped the shark series three, but we jumped back in again, which no TV series ever done. And it was unsullied, the memory. And it ended and it was fucking great. And then it came back. And it's fucking annoying that the last entry into the manual is something that wasn't successful. And that's a shame. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's like a band reforming with a new singer and they release a single that doesn't even make top 40. And I know Christian got another joystick. That's <laughs> fucking great. But, um, you know, so it's a shame. You, you, you know, you get so few chances in life to produce something that's perfect. And it was. It was fucking perfect, Games Master. It was there. It was great. And there's just that little fucking epitaph now that, which is a shame because none of us were involved. And uh, it would have been nice if we had been. And on that bombshell. (laughs) Well, on that bombshell, trivia time. Okay. Because you and I were talking earlier because we just did the episode uh, where you had Tracy Shaw on. Yes. Playing Alpine, uh, Alpine Surfer. Yes. Alpine Surfer. And in that, she was the 1996 Rear of the Year, which you were very, very happy to mention. That's right. Yes. Now, I. Did they, uh, did they even have that in 2020? Are they allowed to have Rear of the Year now? Oh, yeah. It's, it's still going. I've, I've got the Wikipedia really? page. It hasn't, really? it hasn't, not since 2019, but clearly okay, COVID yeah, has had an effect yeah. on people's bums. Um, well, I think probably there's other reasons <laughs> why. Uh, but I did find there are, let me count this one, two, three, four. Four other Games Master celebrity challengers that have won Rear of the Year. Okay. Do you want to have a guess at any of them? We'll open it out to the, the room as well. Okay. Well, I will say off the bat, uh, Zoe Ball. No. She- what? Nope. Zoe Ball never won. Zoe Ball's not one of them? Nope. She is not. Joe Guess. Joe Guess is not one of them. Not one of them? Nope. Um, Natalie and Bruglia? Nope. Kylie Minogue, not one of them. Kylie Minogue. Frank Skinner is one of them. Well played, Adam. Frank Skinner won the 1998 Rear of the Year along with Carol Smiley. Carol Smiley. Do you know what? Carol Smiley's uh, kids went to the same school as my kids in Glasgow. She's lovely. She is really nice. So I can tell you that the other ones were on on series that you did. 
Okay. Not series three celebrities. Okay. One of them. One of them is the 1992, and one of the the other two are 97 and 99. Anybody want to do any more guesses? Then? Not one of the mermaids. No, yes. Jets. Not one of them. Ooh. Wow. I'll give you the, the 1990. Sorry, Panther is not. It's not a gladiator. Are they both female? Or is there, is uh, it... there is one female and two lads. Oh, Anne and Deck. Anne and Deck are not one of them. No, or both of them rather. What? But one of them is involved in the book. <laughs> that would be funny. I think Adam. It's not Lean Herring, is it? Is it? No, no, they no. wouldn't be. Big, they wouldn't have been big enough. But one of them's involved in the book. Yeah, have you, have you, Reeves and Bob Mortimer. Robbie Williams. Oh, of course. Robbie Williams. Uh, and I'll give you the other one was Gary Barlow. Huh. One rear of the year in '97, along with Melinda Messenger. That's quite a disappointing answer to that, isn't it? That's really quite. Was that the one when you said there's no, there's one you're never going to guess? Well, was Frank, that guy Frank about? Skinner was the one yeah. we didn't think he'd yeah. that, that was the one I was hoping we'd end on because that is yeah. a, a bombshell. The bigger bombshell, we looked at a picture because there was a picture of um, the, the two of the winners together. Frank had more junk in the trunk. I, listen, I have to say that it's, I, for some reason, I think it's maybe because, and this is in the book, I, I worked with Frank as a young fledgling stand-up comedian. He, he always, he had a cracking arse. I mean, I don't know, am I allowed to say that in 2022? I mean, yeah. but his... Well, it's, you know what? It's, that is, that's the hill I'm prepared to die on. <laughs> Frank Skinner has a wonderful bum. And on Take that bombshell. Yes. <laughs> Dominic, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you all for coming down today. Everyone get Thank you very much. Diamond. Thank you. Our thanks, of course, go to Dominic Diamond for being a part of this Q&A, giving up his time to, to meet with all of us. And it was it was wonderful to interview the man. Also, like, you know, and I don't want to say that we you know, didn't do anything because we did a lot, but he's a very he's a very easy person to do a Q&A with because like a Duracell bunny, he just off he goes and he does not stop and he will just bang that drum, the, the drum being chat. And it's a wonderful to it was wonderful to meet him in person, and he was absolutely delightful in person as well. So, just want to put over Dominic Diamond before we get to the rest of the thank yous. Absolutely, uh, the whole idea of never meet your heroes, bollocks in mm -hmm. this case. Yeah, Ab absolute shash because he's not only as nice as I hoped, he was nicer. Indeed, yeah. And also, we've got to give our thanks to uh, Thames and Hudson, who arranged the event and published the book, as well as Forbidden Planet for arranging everything. We had a lovely chat with the, the, the chaps and chapettes from Forbidden Planet, and of course, Loading Bar in Stoke Newington for hosting the event, which is a fabulous little place. Um, I've been there quite a few times because I might be doing some filming stuff down there for a project down the line. And it was just cool because afterwards, we got to chat with Dominic and had a beer with him. And then we played a bit of Mario Kart on the N64, and I saw some Evercades lying around. So it's like it's a cool little venue to go down there. So I highly recommend people go and check out Loading Bar in Stoke Newington. Absolutely. I mean, we both know the staff at Loading Bar. We both worked with them in the past or in the future, and it's a great place. I, it's lovely to be back there again after the past couple of years. But I think that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. You all rule. You can find us on social media, on Twitter at underconsolepod, on Instagram at under.console, and you can send us an email to feedback at underconsultation.com. 
Or if you want to chat with us, if you want to chat with other listeners, maybe other people that were at that Q&A, you can do so over on our Discord, details of which can be found in the description below, in the show notes, or on our social media. Yeah, well, I think we should give a little uh, thanks to them as well. The uh, the Under Console Nation was in fine form uh, at the event. Lo- lovely to meet some of those people for the first time in person as well, after chatting to them so much on the Discord. And just really lovely to chat with them about the show and you know their, their, their listening experiences with us. It was really, really lovely to, to meet them. Absolutely. Always a good and wonderful and polite time to be guaranteed. Yeah. Polite is very, very a key word there. Uh, and also, if you want to support this podcast monetarily, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash under console pod, where you'll get access to UCP Extra, which is this show format, not quite this episode format, but the usual show format, but about other shows from the 80s and 90s, which will be making its triumphant return for spooky season, as Ash and I will be reviewing a, a classic episode of The Real Ghostbusters. And it's in particular, it's my favorite episode of The Real Ghostbusters. So I'm really looking forward to diving into that. But not only that, you get our monthly community show under Console Nation, where you can hang out and chat with us live every single month and we do a little Q&A of our own on that place. Plus, if you back us at the $5 level, you will get next week's episode one week early and ad-free. But at the £10 level, Ash, they do get a little bit extra. What is that? They get our glittering golden joystick waggler mug stuffed with retro-tading cards, stickers, sweets, badges, all sorts of goods. We don't send it to you like this. We put it in a nice neat box and then we hurl it into the postal service where it either arrives at your door or goes into oblivion. It could go either way. The one place it should not go is the microwave though. Just want to again, just make that abundantly clear. Do not put it in the microwave. We will not be held accountable for what you do with either that mug or the trading cards in the microwave. No, I would recommend not using the trading cards as uh, spooky doughs on your bike either because hey, they're vintage now. That's a terrible waste. And a shout out to those £10 backers, Xanderthal, William, Tom, The Amazing Cliff, Super Sexy David Fisher, Simon, Sean, Richard, Reese, Nick, Misha, Matty, Boo, Mark, Link, Kevin, Jamie, Ian Williams, Ian Roberts, I am Cheadle, Harriet Manga Girl, Gordon Dempster, Gordon Brandt, David Palmer, Darkside73, Chrissy Two Sticks, Arcadia Wild Bill, Andy, Andrew, and Adam. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you in seven days time. Take care, everyone. Good night. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.